talk about tithes and offerings. Here we go. And, and uh, it, you know, people look for a way to get out of giving. You know, let's just deal first with tithing. Let's just deal with that. It's, I don't know where it seems kind of taboo in the church, you know, some, in some churches. Uh, you know, people feel like, well, you know, tithing is Old Testament. Tithing is, is Old Testament, you know, and so we don't have to tithe uh, because that's Old Testament. And um, my question is, what, what are you trying to get out of? Uh, because if you look at what happens when you tithe, it's kind of crazy to me to say, well, I don't want to tithe. I, I want to get out of tithing. You're telling me you want to get out of blessings. I want to get out of favor with the Lord. That's that, you don't realize that's what you're saying. But when you're saying I don't want to tithe, what you think you're saying is I just don't. I don't want to give that much money. But we're going to see <laughs> that you're flawed. You're flawed in your theology if that's what you're thinking. Look at just a few scriptures this morning. First, look at Matthew. I'm just going to have you turn back and forth. I don't have six points this morning. I just kind of, Lord, just put this on my heart to talk about. Look at Matthew chapter 23. We're going to look at two verses in the New Testament uh, that are the same verses, two people's uh, view of the same event, okay? Matthew chapter 23, if you have it, say, I have it. All right, some people still getting there. That's all right. That's all right. Matthew chapter 23. I guess it'd be good if I got there myself. Matthew 23, and if you look at verse, let us, let's start, let's just look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. Now, mind you, this, let's just, this is in the New Testament. Would you agree with that? This is in the New Testament. In some of your Bibles, like mine, it's, this verse is written in red. All right, so that's significant, right? Written in red. What does that usually mean? That Jesus is speaking, usually, uh, not usually all the time. Jesus is speaking, is written in red, and uh, it, it says this. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now flip real quick over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 42. Same situation. Luke says that Jesus said this, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. These, what does he say? You what? Should have, ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So here you see a New Testament scripture where Jesus says, he's, he's, he's jumping on the Pharisees and the scribes, but he's not jumping on them because they didn't tithe. He's saying you tithe and you should have tithed. And you shouldn't leave the others out. In other words, not only should you tithe, but you should do more. Come on now. I'm talking to people who want to get out of tithing. <laughs> and when you look at this, I, I've gotten this as well. I've gotten people say, well, yeah, Brother Mike, but yeah, I'm going to be technical with you now. I think I got you on this one. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
we count them as the New Testament, but actually, Jesus had not died on the cross, was in the grave three days and rose again. So the New Covenant, until somebody dies, the New Covenant is not in effect. And I said, I hear you. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I said, but what did Jesus teach? Jesus taught the kingdom of God. Though he was standing in the Old Covenant, the reason I believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John start the New Testament or the New Covenant is because Jesus wasn't talking about Old Covenant stuff. I mean, when he's changing water to wine, come on, somebody, that's not Old Covenant stuff. He's reaching into another time. When he begins to heal people, listen, when the lady came to him who wasn't a Jew, but she had faith, and, he said, and she said, look, I know you called me a dog because uh, the Jews look at Gentiles as dogs. But listen, even the dogs get some crumbs. And Jesus said, look, she has more faith than a lot of people in Israel. He reached into another time. His time wasn't yet. He told his mother that. Come on, my time is not yet. But Jesus was able to reach into another time. Come on. And so I believe when he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the sad you sees, he, he was telling them, look, listen, uh, I'm telling you kingdom stuff. You're tired and you need to continue to do that. But now, now we're going to take it up a notch. Now we're going to take it up a notch. People say, well, you know, tithing, yeah, it was part of the law. Well, you know, listen, <laughs> tithing actually happened you know what let's I'll get to that I'll get to that let me say this tithing also tithing means tenth we know that tithe means tenth but what we cannot forget and we talked about this when we started this series is the law of the first goes right along with it because God said the tithe is what holy that means it's set aside and so we're talking about the law of the first. Either God's the Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Come on. God doesn't play the middle. God, is, God, doesn't, God doesn't have a great error. Either I'm Lord or I'm not Lord. And we have to understand that we are the kingdom of God on this earth. And I believe that there is a law, there's a law of first. And that's why all through the Old Testament, you'll see God said, bring that to me first. Bring me your first and your best. If you can do that, then I can trust you. Listen to what Haggai said. Haggai chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 said, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts. Listen to this now. It says, consider your ways. Imagine God is speaking to you this morning. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. <laughs> Got a hole in my pocket. If I jump down to verses 9 and 10, he said, You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. Ever been there? And when you brought it home, I blew it away, in case you're wondering what happened to it. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins. While every one of you runs to his own house, he said, because my house is in ruins, 
while you're running home taking care of your house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. Why? Because you care not about the house of God, but you're putting self on the throne. That's what he's saying. You care more about your house than you do about my house. And you might say, well, yeah, I mean, that's my house. You know, I mean, I worked hard to buy that house, and it's my house. But what you're not understanding is when you need healing, the house of God is where healing is. When you need deliverance, you're not going to find it in your house. What does your house give you? Comfort, shelter from the rain? But listen, when you need deliverance from an addiction, the house of God is where you're going to find it. Come on, somebody. I mean, the, the, the presence of God is in the house of God. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> that, that's twofold. Because God is talking about his house. He's talking about his church. He's talking about where we gather. And God is also talking about his house. He's talking about where he dwells. Come on. He's talking about where he tabernacles. And if you care more about your physical house than you do about the house of God, and then you do about the house of God, he's giving you a promise right here. He's saying the heavens above you will withhold dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Now, I'm not saying that to you this morning to scare you or to put you on the defensive. But I'm just trying to enlighten you that when you go through those seasons in your life that it's very dry, sometimes we just need to look in the mirror and see what we care about more. Because when you try to do it all yourself, you're going to fail and you're going to fall. But when you surrender, when God has your heart, when he has everything, come on somebody, then you will be blessed. Why? Because he has everything. Come on. He has it all. There is nothing that he doesn't have. And he will withhold no good thing from you. Now, I don't know. I'm not a smart man. But it just makes sense to me that if God tells me that if you tithe and if you give offering and if you give me your heart, I will bless you and I will withhold no good thing from you, seems to me that that would make more sense. Come on, somebody. I mean, it makes a little more sense to me to press into that than to go to the bank and get a loan. Come on. Now, I apologize if there's any bankers in here, but the bank as a whole doesn't care about you like God does. The bank does not have the power to bless your finances. The bank has the power to raise your interest rate. The bank has the power to, to loan you money and get back more than they loaned you. That's what they have the power to do. And they have the power, if you don't pay it back, to take more things from you. Come on, somebody. But God, God has the power to multiply. God has the power to make something out of nothing. Come on. God has a never-ending supply. And he says, I will withhold no good thing. I will withhold nothing from you. And so Jesus is saying this in the New Testament. He's, he's telling you kingdom things. He's talking about kingdom living when he says you tithe as you ought this is kingdom living the righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law 
And I want to tell you this, when you say, oh, well, you know, uh, I hear you, Brother Mike, but tithing, uh, you know, it was part of the law. And, and here's my question, and I get it. I, I'm all about this. Listen, don't think I am all about grace. I mean, we are in a grace dispensation. You know, people preach on grace, and I love grace, and that, that's where we are. We're all about grace. But here's what I, want to, what, what I want to tell you about grace and how, how, how you cannot just forget about the law. And how it's balanced. You, you're not judged by the law anymore because you're under grace. But here's how that works. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And God says, now it's not about ten commandments that are written up on the wall that you have to walk in and look at every day to see if I'm following. Because now my law is written on your heart because you're filled with my spirit. So the law hasn't just gone away, but what it is, it's wrapped up. And now, because you have the spirit, you have the power to follow God. Come on. That's you're under the grace. Listen, if, if, if I were to say, just because it was under the law, we don't do it anymore, that, does that mean now I can murder? Come on. What do you mean? That was under the law. Murder was under the law. Come on. Lying, bearing false witness, that was under the law. So why would I have to do? We don't have to do that anymore. We can lie now because that was under the law. Is that what we're saying? No. Don't be ridiculous. Then why do we pick one thing out when it has to do with money? We're not murdering. You know, you're not supposed to do that. No, that's still in the... I know it was a law, but it's still in the... Wait a minute, money? No, no, no. That was part of the law. We don't have to do that anymore. You can just give a little bit or just give what you might have that day. Whatever you have in your pocket, just give that and, and you're fine. You're okay. No, no, we can't do that. We try to twist Scripture. Let's turn back to Malachi. You, you know the, the verse of Scripture we're going to. But I just want to show you something in here. Malachi is the last chapter before the New Testament. And if you look at this, I want to start in chapter 3, but I, I want to start uh, back up in verse 6, if I can. Is that all right with you? Let's look at Malachi. And let's start back up in verse 6. Here's what God says to his people. For I am the Lord. In case you did not know who I was. What does he say? What's his next statement? I do not change. Say that one more time. I do not change. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are, con you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. In other words, I have not killed you yet <laughs> because I don't change. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Now, let me just tell you something about an ordinance, what an ordinance is. Here's what an ordinance is. We know we have city ordinances. An ordinance is really something that you would do that should be ordinary. That's why they call it an ordinance. It should be an ordinary thing. If there's a, a city ordinance that you need to stop at every red light, then that should be ordinary to you. And he's saying, you have gone away from my ordinances. So you have gone away from ordinary things, not anything special. And he says, you have not kept them. Then he says, return to me. So whatever God is saying here, he's saying, you've gone away from me. And now he's saying, return to me and I 
will return to you. Get what he's saying here. I mean, as we're leading up to what we're familiar with. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? I didn't even know I had gone anywhere. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, you did. You went somewhere. He says, will a man rob God? This is what you're so familiar with. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Notice the statement, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. And then he goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Lord, we didn't know that. What do we do now? I'll tell you what to do. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Let me give you another side note. He doesn't say take your tithe and give it to a television ministry. And I love television ministries. Take your tithe and pay for your child's Christian school. That's not what he said here. A lot of times, you know, people, it's interesting to me because in today's time, you know, we're in a time of studying and we talk about Greek and Hebrew. And it's funny to me, it's not so much to me that people don't understand Greek. Sometimes people don't understand English. He's saying, bring the tithes to the storehouse that there may be food in my house and prove me now in this. He's almost like he's begging you, prove me in it, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for, such, for you such a blessing that you are not able to receive it. Now with all of this, I go back to verse 6. For I am the Lord, and I what? I do not change. If God... 3,000 years ago, this is not in the Bible, but I'm just saying if it was, if God 3,000 years ago said, I'm six foot one inches tall, how tall would he be today? Six foot one inches tall. How tall would he be 3,000 years from now? Why is that? Because he doesn't change. Why is it that we can accept so many things about God that he doesn't change? God loved me. He loved me from the beginning, and he loves me now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But when it comes to the tithe, he says, I am the Lord. I do not change. It's the same from the beginning. Let me tell you something. And now this is me. I'm going to take off. This hat, just me, I, it, I believe tithing goes all the way back to the garden. I said this before. And I know it does. I know it may not have to do with tenth. I don't know. I can't prove that. But I believe that it's the law of the first and it's holy. Those things that are set apart. And if you don't call it the tithe, at least it's what's set apart for God. God has been setting something apart from, for him from the beginning, from the garden. He said every fruit, every tree, every vine in this whole garden you can eat of except this one. It is set apart for me. Do you think it was God's favorite fruit? Why, why was it that he said? Because it's a test. God was testing us. Not tempting. Not tempting. But the heart. To test the heart. You can have everything but this give to me. And if you will leave this alone 
and keep it holy and let it be mine. All of this, all of this is yours. It's the law of the firsts and it's the law of holy. <laughs> but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Do you understand that this is not something where it's a law that it's something that's heavy on us and God is pressing us down saying you better do this or else he's being mean to us. No, God is finding ways to bless us and we're rejecting the blessing because we don't understand his ordinances. Tithe, 10%. Let me tell you something else. If you want to look at it this way, I believe, I believe there's a scripture in Psalms that says the earth is the Lord's and the, come on, fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, everything in it. So God said the tithe belongs to me. Let me give you, put you in on a little secret. It all belongs to him. Everything is his. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness. Every, every animal, every tree, all of your clothes, your car, the gas at the gas station, milk, everything, the sky, clouds, atoms, everything belongs to God. It's all his. And when we get that revelation, we don't have a problem. Oh, all you want me to do is return to you 10%. By the way, understand the wording that God says. Return to me. Don't get, you're not giving me anything. You can't give a tithe. You can't give a tithe. All you can do is return it. That's all you can do. What already belongs to him. I guarantee you, if somebody had something of yours and they didn't return it, <laughs> you might be a little upset. And then if they came back to you and said, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to give this, it's a favor from me to you, I'll give this to you. No. <laughs> you would say, no, 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 you're not giving me anything. All you're doing is returning. That's what we have to understand about the tithe. It's an ordinance. Come on, it's an ordinance. We have to understand all we're doing is returning to the Lord. And God has not consumed us. He's giving us another opportunity to do this thing. So what is it about the tithe? The tithe, number one, is a test of our heart. It's a test of our heart. You know, we, 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 we wouldn't even argue about being blessed. We wouldn't argue about that. Then why do we argue about the method of how we are blessed? We want to be blessed, but we don't want to be blessed the way that God's going to bless us. Come on. Matthew 15, 28, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. Come on, I hear what you're saying. Giving honor unto God who's the head of my life, and honor unto the pastor, and honor unto the members of the church. You honor me with your lips. But your heart is far from me. How can he say your heart is far from me? Because where your treasure is, come on, your heart is. And if your treasure is far from me, your heart is far from me. Come on. We think our heart is close to God because we cried during worship song. And God said, yeah, I, that, that's great. And that's part of it. That is. That is. You, you felt my presence. But your heart is still not near to me even though you cried during the worship song because your treasure is not near me. Come on. Jesus said, Where, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He makes this statement that people honor me with their mouth. And I'm telling you, where you put your treasure, your heart's going to follow it. God knows that. It's going to follow it. Now, tithe, 
it, we were talking about the law of the first, but tithe also means tenth. We know that. And I want to tell you something. I'm not a numerology person. I probably could do a lot better in, in my studies uh, to study numbers in the Bible. Not the book of numbers, but actual numbers. You know, I, and I know some things. I know the number three is a number of perfection, and I get that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfection. I know the number seven is the number of completion. I get that from playing music and my scales. Dore, what is it? Dore, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You know, seven, when you get to seven, you start over again, right? Seven, seven days of the week, right? Seven is the number of completion, all right? So I, I know all of those things. Eight is the number of new beginnings, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, and do starts again. Eight, eighth day starts over again. I know, I know some of these numbers. One of the things that I found out uh, in my studies is that 10 is a number of testing. 10 is a number of testing. You might say, well, why 10th? Why did God say, why not 4% or 5%? I mean, 10 seems to be an easy number. To, to, all you got to do is move the decimal over one. But why 10? All through Scripture, what I've found is that it represents testing. Very often when you see the number 10 in the Bible, you'll see that a test is involved. Here, I'll show you some examples that I've found in the Bible. All right, I'll ask you some questions, and you tell me if you know. You might not know all of these, but some of these you'll know. How many plagues were in Egypt? Right? How many plagues did God test Pharaoh with? Ten, right? It's okay. You can say it if, it, if you believe it. You know, if you don't believe it, I understand you're being hesitant. Uh, you know, how, 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 many, how many plagues did he test him with? Ten. All right. Most believe this. Some don't. How many commandments are there? <laughs> Traditionally. All right. Ten commandments. That he tests us with those. Can you, can you follow the commandments, right? You might not know this one. How many times were Jacob's wages changed in the Old Testament? Ten. Some of you don't know it, but you're kind of getting where we're going with it, so you can just say ten. I just guessed ten, right? Yeah, ten. His, go back and read that. Genesis, his wages were changed ten times. How many days was Daniel tested? You can, you're kind of getting... Ten, yeah, you got it. Right, Daniel chapter one said your days of testing will be ten days. You can go back and read that. You can jot that down. Test me on it. This one you probably know. How many virgins were there in Jesus' parable in the New Testament? In Matthew 25, 10, right? Five wise, five foolish. Uh, there's a scripture in Revelation 2, 10. How many days of testing are mentioned in that scripture? Revelation 2, 10. How many? Ten. Must have, she said it must be ten. Yeah, you're starting to get this now. You're starting to get this. How many disciples were there? Twelve. See, no, I was testing you. I was just testing you. I was just testing you on that one. No. <laughs> I was testing you. <laughs> but if you, if you look at that, the number 10 really represents testing. And I, that's what I believe. I, I believe that God is really testing our heart because God doesn't need the money. I mean, God can do anything. If Jesus went up on a mountain and transfigured, come on. Now, this wasn't, this wasn't the deity Jesus. This was the man Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit and transfigured come on God can do anything when when there was a battle going on in the Old Testament they needed some more time they didn't have daylight savings time yet they needed some more time so God said I'll stop time I mean if God can stop time he can do anything so it's not that he needs the money but our hearts need to be tested and the second thing tithing is biblical 
Back in Genesis 14, 18 is the first time we see tithing. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him. And he blessed Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And the Bible says, and he gave him a tithe or a tenth of all. This is 500 years, approximately 500 years before the law. About 500 years before the law, tithing was mentioned. In Genesis 28, 22, the Bible says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and all of you give me, uh, and, and, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 400 years before the law. Deuteronomy 26, and it shall be, verses 1 and 2, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide and in verse 13 then you shall say before the Lord your God I have removed watch this I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, to the stranger, to the fatherless, to the widow. That is the purpose of the church, by the way. According to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not, watched transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. He goes on to say, I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. Uh, oh, come on now. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use. I didn't pay any bills with my tithe, come on, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. Do you understand that God is obligated? He obligated himself. We're not obligating him. God obligated himself to bless you. When you bring what belongs, when you return to him, what belongs to him. I didn't go on vacation with the tithe, with the holy tithe. Come on, I didn't send it to a missionary. The tithe belongs to the Lord. I didn't give it to a charity. All these things are great things to do, but what? The tithe belongs to the Lord. It belongs to him. And he's saying, you guys tithe on every little thing. But, you know... Listen, don't neglect the rest. Don't neg neglect the rest because now we get into sowing and reaping. <laughs> Hebrews 7 says here, verse 8, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them. He receives the tithes. Come on. It's beneficial to us to tithe. I don't know why we don't understand that. It's beneficial to us. Tithing is an expression of love. We do it all the time. We express tangibly our love to others, and we can't see God physically, but this is a way, by the way, returning. This is a way that we can express our love tangibly to God. This is a way that we can express it. This is why Jesus wants to deal with our heart. Listen, God tested Abraham. Why do you think Abraham is the father? Come on. 
Why do you think he's the father of all of us Christians, father of the Jews and father of us? Why do you think God gave him that position? Because when he was on that mountain, God said, give me your son, your only son, your first son. Come on. Your first and only, not knowing if he would have any more. See, that's what it is about the tithe. You don't give the tithe after you've gathered a whole bunch, and now I'll give you, Lord, what I have left over because I know I have enough for everything else. Plus, I can go on vacation. Plus, I can save and I can put something in my 401K. Plus, I can do some other things. Now, I'll give to the Lord. No. He gave to God not knowing if he would have any more children, and God blessed him abundantly. Why? Because he tested him. And now he could trust him. And not only that, Abraham knew that he could be trusted. Abraham knew that he could be trusted. Tithing tells us something about ourselves. Now, here's the thing. I, I didn't want to beat you up today about tithing. That's, that's, that's not why we even had this message. Why, I don't believe that's why the Lord switched it around. It's not about beating you up about tithing. God is trying to bless you. He's, try, he's saying to you, like Paul said so often, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren and sistren. In other words, I'm begging you to catch the revelation. I don't know when I'll talk about giving and tithing again because there's so many. God is so deep. This is only one little speck. <laughs> Come on. He's, he's unsearchable. There's so much. There's, there's, there's a lot of ground we have to cover, church, <laughs> before Jesus comes back. There's a lot we have to cover that deals with all sorts of things. So I don't know when we'll talk about this again, and that's why I just wanted to make sure that it's in our heart about live to give and how tithing plays a part in that. Tithing is important and offering is important. The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. When we understand that it all belongs to him, God, you can have my first and you can have my best. And God's telling you, great, I tested you and you've proven and now I can bless you because I know you'll bless others. You're blessed to be a blessing. I can increase you. I can increase your relationships. I can put you in positions of influence. Come on. I, I, I can deliver you from all those things knowing that you won't fall into it again because I have your heart. God has our heart.